0: So, Genesis uh, 3 8 through 10 says this Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden and in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. So like every year, I like to end the year thinking about what this past year held for me. And one of the things that this past year held for me and so many others was a lot of fear of the unknown. And I got brought back to this conscious thought of fear started... At the very beginning of creation, the act that happens right after Adam and Eve sin is they hide themselves from God because they're afraid. See, the devil's tactics haven't changed in so many years. The thing that he has to do is not to get us to stop believing in God, but to hide from God's presence for us to be ineffective. So let's pray for a minute again. Father, I just thank you that you came looking for Adam and Eve and you come looking for us. You want to have a relationship with us. You want to be present with us and you want to be near us, Lord. Help us not to hide our faces from you, but to embrace the presence of God in our lives through this year, through next year, Lord. Help us to see your face every day so that people may look upon us and see your face. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I was saying, 2020 has become a year where you almost recoil just at a number. You think, what could possibly be next? I know for me and my work crew, uh, anything went wrong. Well, it's 2020, of course, that went wrong. It, it's, it's become this laughable joke, but on the same hand, such a presence of fear within the year. We don't know what's happening next. We have COVID, We have riots. We have protests in the street. We have election. We have election fraud. We have mass, We have lockdowns and loss of work, maybe loss of family members. 2020, for so many, has held so much fear and uncertainty. And it's not anything new. From the beginning of time, this is something that man has struggled with, is the fear of different things, driving a wedge between us and our king. And as I started to look back over my year, I realized that so many of my responses to different things had at least a partial basis in fear for what would happen if I didn't react this way. And even in that manner leaning more on fear than God, it separates you from his presence. But it's interesting, in the word of God, we have the phrase, fear not, or do not be afraid, or take courage and don't be afraid, 365 times. One for every day of the year, 365 times God addresses his people to not be afraid whether he's delivering a specific message to the general public or a message specifically to one person 365 times, I think this might be a point God wants to get across to us about this bondage of fear mankind has. Especially when he reaches out in his word to specific people within his word, saying, fear not, I think he understands that the human race has an instinct to respond in fear. I think sometimes that can be our go-to to be more worried than faithful to him. I mean, there are some things in this world that are scary. By natural means, you should be afraid of them. Heights, for instance. I don't like heights at all. It's actually the heights that aren't the problem. It's the sudden stop at the bottom of them that I really have a dislike of. There are things that have a natural fear to them. And yet, we continue to see this verse in the Bible, fear not, over and over again. And I think that there's an element of being cautious around things such as heights and snakes. And ugh, you were waiting for it, I know. My notes say snakes, I was just thought of something else. Um, there are things to be naturally cautious of. Um, because they are dangerous. But I think caution and fear are two different things. They, they're separated by a category. One is almost paralyzing, and the other one you can take a hold of. And for instance, I can't get near a snake at all, don't like them, will disappear. I can get up on a ladder and get on roofs and go on high places and just tell my fear to go away. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not cautious and apprehensive, but I can overcome it. So there's a difference between this caution and fear. But I want to take a look into the Word of God and to see what he says about fear to some of some key people in the Word of God. So we turn to Matthew 14, 27 through 31. And it says this but immediately, well, let me give you a backstory Jesus is feeding the five thousand with his disciples. And then he sends his disciples away. He says, get in the boat, go to the other side of the sea, I'll catch up with you. He dismisses the crowd that he's feeding, and then he goes to pray. Well, when he sent his disciples away in the boat to the other side of the sea, there begins to be a storm, and his disciples are afraid. And at this moment in time, Jesus, of all people, decides that he should walk on water, never seen before on this earth, he should walk on water and scare the living daylights out of the people in the boat. <laughs> So that's kind of where we pick up. And uh, it says this, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, do not be afraid. Peter respo- "For his I." Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took a hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? So it's interesting to me, this is perplexing to me, that this has never been done before. I'm going to scare the living daylights out of my disciples. I don't know if Jesus thought this will be funny. (laughs) Like, I know what I'll do. Uh, Maybe this was April 1st. I'm not sure. But he approaches the boat. They see somebody that they think is a ghost. And Jesus instantly says, don't be afraid. And Peter, being the person that he is, he's like, okay, well, if that's you, then that's pretty cool and I want to do it too. So he gets out of the boat and goes to greet Jesus on the water. And the next part, I think, is where we find ourselves in 2020, right? Jesus standing before you doing the miraculous... And then you see everything else happening. All the wind, the waves, the upset of this world. And you begin to sink. And I think that was 2020 for me and I would, I would every once in a while call back to Jesus and we'd get on good terms and then, then I'd lose a job or different things would happen in the economy and, and you'd have that fear again. And you lose focus Of the very king standing right in front of you, guiding you and taking care of you, and you begin to sink. See, again, it's the trick of the devil. He doesn't need you to stop believing in God to win, he doesn't need you to think that Jesus is the Antichrist for him to win. He just has to have you fear the circumstances you're in more than you revere the God before you. And he's won. And I think that was a place I found myself in 2020 so much. And quite frankly, I wish I was a better water walker this year. I wish that I would focus on Jesus more, and I know that I missed opportunities in life to share God's presence with people that were more scared than me because I just wanted to grump and complain and be scared about the circumstances that I was in. you know, some people would say, well, that's fine. The things around me don't really bother me. The things that happen in the world and in the peripheral don't bother me. They don't really pull me down, per se. But if we look at another person in the Bible in Luke 1, 26-31, we take a look into the life of Mary, and it says this. Now, in the sixth month, the angel... Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary and coming in he said to her greetings favored one the Lord is with you but she was very perplexed in this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This story is very perplexing to me. See, he hasn't even gotten to anything that's afraid yet. I mean, obviously, while there's an angel standing before you that wasn't there a second ago, that's a little concerning. But before Mary's really concerned, he says, hey, I got some news for you, and you need not get upset. It's like when, you, when you're in trouble with your parents, you like broke your mom's favorite vase or something, you're like, I'm not hurt, mom, so don't be, don't be upset, I'm not hurt. You know, you crash the car, and the first thing you say is, everything's okay, but you try and like play that down a little bit. Um, that's kind of what this angel is doing, right? He's saying, hey, i got something to tell you, but I don't freak out, okay? Because the news that he shared with Mary, on an earthly sense, has multitudes of reasons why she should be afraid. She's betrothed to a man, so in those days you would have your engagement period, which was almost considered married, you're already married to them, but he's leaving to go make a house, and then he'll come back and get you, and you'll have a party, and move in. So she's basically married to a man, hasn't done anything that would result in having a baby yet, and yet she's going to be pregnant. Well, in that day and age, that's like rejection, uh, stoning, there's a multitude of reasons that keep happening here that she should be afraid. Right? How am I going to provide? If she she makes it through the rejection and the stoning, how is she going to provide for an infant in a day where she doesn't have anybody around her to help provide? Um, So there are multitudes of earthly reasons for her to be afraid. And I think this happens in our life too, where God brings us to a circumstance that he's trying to work out something in our life for our benefit and for the benefit of others around us and all of a sudden, we freak out. Because the story could have gone a lot different if Mary freaked out. Mary's like, nope, no way, not going to do that. You uh, go back, you found the wrong person. right? And I think that we sometimes respond like that, especially in 2020. God's trying to work something in us so that we can be a light to the world around us. And we go, yeah, no, this is too much. Just take this, take this and go on your merry way. You find somebody else. I'm just going to go to work, and I'm going to go home, and we won't see anybody or talk to anybody or do anything in between. And if Mary had responded like that, well, I wouldn't be here today. It would be very sad for the entire universe. But she didn't. And I think that we need to start to change the way that we approach hard times in our life. So that's kind of a a recap of where I've been thinking in the last couple months as I've recapped my year. And I think it was Shiloh's leadership meeting that they brought up this next verse, and it just has not gotten out of my head under the context of what we just talked about. And it's Esther 4.14. And this is Mordecai saying to his niece, who has now been married to the king and has influence over the king, says, if you keep silent... At this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. And you know, the reality is I've thought about this year and wish that I could be in any other year at any other time doing any other thing Is who knows if God didn't anoint us as his royal children in such a time as this? I was listening to the radio actually on the way up here, and it was um, testimonies over 2000 or, or 2020, rather, of the amount of people that have been saved in Islamic countries because of 2020, because of this pandemic. And it's countless numbers of people that have been brought to the kingdom of God because they had nowhere else to turn for hope. But I'm not sure we hit that mark in America. I'm not sure the Western church, and I know that I have not, hit that mark of embracing sharing hope rather than being paralyzed by fear. But what if we are here now for this reason? So we're the church in America. We, we have the most amount of freedom, the most blessing and the most prosperity in the world. And yet somehow, it appears to me that the church in America has become the weakest church in the world over 2020. We've kind of closed in our walls and we've put our TVs on and we've watched service and we've and we worshipped from home. And we've kept our nucleus going, but I believe the Great Commission was to go and make disciples of all men. See, the devil didn't have to get us to stop believing in Christ to not be effective, he just had to paralyze us from moving past the walls around us. That was free, that was far outside of my notes. But I do feel like that's what God is saying to me. Like, we're the church. We're the hope for this world and we've narrowed it down to such a little spot that we fill. I'm a very organized person. I hate it when he does that to me. There are people around us that need our hope that need our Jesus. So how do we become a water walker? How do we say to God, yes, I want to get out of the boat. Yes, I want to be more than what I've been. I don't want to be paralyzed by fear anymore. I want to move forward and spread your gospel to the world. How do we take the next steps? And I think, oftentimes, my prayer to God is, if you remove this hard time from me, then I would be happy to share your word. Or God, I would be happy to celebrate in other person's suffering. And I'll help them. Just don't, don't make me celebrate in my own suffering. Take that off my plate. But the sad part is, is that is not what the Word of God shares with us. Matter of fact, it says contrary to that in James 1, 2 through 2-4, it says this, Consider it all joy, uh, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results so that You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I think that we face the world in a way that we are searching for the next good time. We definitely, in America, do not (laughs) rejoice in our sufferings. I mean, if we lose power for a couple hours during a snowstorm, we we get angry, right? There's other parts of the world that have no power at all. Or if you go to Haiti, you're charging your phone off a generator when it runs, Um, But we're looking for those good times. And I think that we do that too often. My wife and I this year have taken up a new show, a new TV series called Alone, where they drop you on an island, you get ten items, and the longest person that survives out of the ten people they drop on the island wins. Right? Right? So it's pretty crazy. I enjoy it. The first thing my wife said to me when we watched the very first show, she goes, that's no problem for you. By the time they come back, you'll have a house built. You'll have a cattle farm going. And I was like, you're probably right. I I enjoy that a lot. But on one of these episodes, this man is psyched. He gets a moose. He kills this moose, and he has moose meat. And he thinks he's set. But did you know that if you eat nothing but moose meat, you can starve to death? There's not enough fat in it to process the protein for you to actually have any nourishment from the moose. So it sounds good, your belly's full, but your body's starving. And I would say this, that did you know that if you have nothing but good times spiritually, you're going to starve to death. See, it's not the good times that help us have strength for the future, it's the bad times and the hard times that push us deeper into God's love and God's grace and prepare us for the next step in life. But I think too often we do pray that prayer, God, just remove the hard times and then I'd be happy to serve you. But those hard times are what actually feed our very soul and push us deeper into the presence of God. Because I don't know about you, when I'm having good times, the beach sounds like a good idea over my devotions. Like, oh, we're good, we're chill, I don't have to work on that relationship, everything's great. So step 1 to walking on water is beginning to thank God for what he's put in front of you. The very moment that you're in is the moment God designed you to be in. Stop wishing that we were somewhere else and begin to look to God for how this circumstance changes our life so that we can change others. Psalms 27:1 through 3 says this, "The Lord is my light and my salvation." Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my defense of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war arises against me, in in spite of this, I am confident. How is it that King David has... So much confidence. What's well, one word in this entire psalm that changes the context, and that is when? See, when evildoers came upon me, he has experienced attacks before. He has experienced people trying to hurt him before. He's experienced people trying to kill him and armies surrounding him. He has experienced these things before, and he says, Every time God has come to my defense. Every time God has been there for me. Every time He has fulfilled His promise to me, it was prophesied I'd be king, I'm going to be king because God is bringing me there. It's the things in life that we don't really realize that are training us, that train us. See, in the first fight, David didn't realize that that first fight would sustain him for the second and the second for the third. In my life, people often confuse me for somebody that knows a lot about mechanics. They think that, oh, he, I've seen him fix this and that and this and that. And the reality is, is my knowledge of mechanics is strictly down to Ford vans and Ford trucks and only things that have already broken on me. That's how I learned to fix what broke, right? And that's what God does in our life. Is as we go through life and have those hard times and things break and things aren't right and we have to press into him, he shows us how to walk in faith and be with him. So here we are in America wishing the power was back on. And in other countries they just wish they had a light bulb And those hard times push us to be better and to be more Christ-like. But we're praying for the light bulb to be back on, not realizing that, you know, spontaneous worship is broken out in our living room because we have no power. We miss opportunities to serve God when we don't remember what he's done in the past and we refuse to hold on to the hard times. So step two is remember what God has done for you. Romans eight thirty five through 39 says this, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will trouble, will persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or, or danger, or the sword? Just as it was written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We were regarded as sheep to the slaughter. That's us, because of sin, by the way. We were headed for death. That's what the psalmist is saying. But in all these things... We are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depths nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. See, step three is remembering who God is to us. He has great love for us. He loved us while we were still sinners. He came to find us just as he came to find Adam and Eve. So if you want to walk on water, you have to remember that his love is greater than anything you can face, even death. Because in death, we'll be present with our King. I'd like to point back to some uh, points from the prose. If we, if we go back to where we started, in Luke one thirty eight, it says, And Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bondservant, may it be done according to your word, and the angel departed from her. See, Mary overcame her fear when she submitted to the will that God had for her. So if we want to walk on water, submitting to the will that God has for you is an important step to overcoming fear. And in Matthew 14, 30, and 31, it says, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took a hold of him. The final part to being a water walker is it doesn't always go easy. There is no one perfect among us, and there will be times where you see the storms around you. You'll see the waves, and you'll start to take your thoughts and focus off of the king in front of you, and you'll begin to sink, and it will begin to feel overwhelming. But at that point, cry out to God, and He will pull you back. He will put your focus back where it belongs. There is nothing on this earth that can overcome us that his love and power can't bring us back from. I mean, he's God. He's the king of kings. He created the universe and by his presence, the very universe is sustained the operation of the world, exists because he breathes life into it. There is nothing that can overcome us if we cry out to him. So in closing... I'd like to do this. Uh, If we can cue up some music. This year, I want to choose to walk on water. I want to choose Jesus' plan over my plan. I want to choose to be more effective for the kingdom of God in 2021 than I was in 2020. See, it's not the absence of of hard times, but the presence of God that dispenses fear. And in 2021, I want to be in his presence more regularly. I want to walk with him and be close to him, which is a great benefit for myself. But honestly, I want to see more people inf- influenced for the kingdom. I want to see more people know the peace, joy, and love that I have because of my father. I want to pull people up instead of put people down. So the only way that I know how to do that is to take time and repent for the way I live 2020, for not living a water-walking life in 2020, for being more consumed with me and what's going on in my family and my house than the world around me and I want to take time to repent of that and I would encourage you here and at home to take a minute and and think back over the year of the missed opportunities you had where you could have been walking on water and showing people that God is a miraculous God but the next step is to embrace the future and ask God to give you the strength to live a life that shines Christ everywhere Give you the grace to walk on water and show people that God is real. So I'm going to pray, and I would just ask, if you're here at home, just take a few minutes after I'm done praying, uh, before you get up to leave, before you get out of your bed and get the second cup of coffee. Uh, Just take a moment and embrace looking back over 2020 and repenting for the missed opportunities and asking God to give you boldness for 2021 to not miss opportunities and to walk on water. So Father, I thank you for this year. I thank you in the midst of all the chaos and trouble and all the things we experienced personally as a country this year that you were still there. Lord, forgive us for the moments that we missed. Forgive us for where we had opportunities but we were too paralyzed to meet them. And Lord, help us in 2021 to walk out your will, to be the light of the world, to shine your light, to walk on water, and show that you are the king of the future. We just thank you and we praise you for this day. Praise you for family time and new years and new beginnings. In Jesus' name, amen.